Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. I have for a long time wondered if I were one of those ten lepers, would I do what Mama taught me and return and say thank you to Jesus? Or would I be one of the other nine who are not found to return and give thanks to God? If I saw these lepers rejoicing on their way, would I still be distrustful of being near them not wanting to touch them and be deemed unclean? Or would I rejoice along with them? Would I welcome them back into society with a warm embrace, with a big hug? Would I listen to their incredible healing story with awe and reverence? Or would I be suspicious? Where do I see myself in this gospel story? The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bit down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. I have for a long time wondered if I were a Pharisee, 
when I have already picked out the choicest stone to hurl at the woman? Or would I have been moved to compassion by the words and actions of Jesus? Would my heart have gone out to this woman? Or would I have argued that we indeed do have a law and that law says she ought to die? If I were a bystander, would I have sat back with my mouth shut and watched it all play out? Or would I have had enough courage to stand between the woman and her accusers? To stand between the woman and the stones? Would I have believed in the power of God's forgiveness? Or would I have insulted Jesus under my breath for not following the law of Moses? Where do I see myself in this gospel story? But Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I have for a long time wondered if I were one of the disciples, would I have doubted the women who saw the empty tomb? Would all my hope be lost? Would I have so much doubt and fear welled up inside of me that I would have locked those doors myself for fear of the Jews? Or would I have hope? Would I have remembered that he had said something about this on more than one occasion? That the Son of Man must undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and be killed and on the third day rise again. Like Thomas, would I have had to see some proof? Would I have had to see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side. And furthermore, like believing Thomas, after seeing this, would I have believed myself and confessed Jesus as my Lord and my God? Again, where do I see myself in this gospel story? When Bishop Sage preached on Good Friday, he preached about something I have long contemplated. Where do I see myself in the stories of the Gospels? What side would I be on? Where do I fit into the narrative? What actions would I have taken in these stories? The answers to these questions can be uncomfortable. They can be downright scary if you think about it. As people who fall short, our lives never fully measure up to the Gospels. And perhaps God knows they never will. And that is why he sent Jesus in the first place. We never love to the extent the Gospels tell us to love. We never forgive to the extent the Gospels tell us to forgive. We never welcome to the extent the Gospels tell us to welcome. 
and like the disciples who locked themselves in that room, we never believe to the extent the Gospels tell us to believe. The Gospels were not written to highlight our shortcomings or to make us feel bad or unworthy. They were written to transform our lives so that we may transform others. The Gospels reveal reveal our God and thus reveal how we are supposed to live our lives. Loving the poor as Christ did. Forgiving others as Christ did. Hanging out with people whom society says to stay away from because Christ did that. Caring for the sick because Christ did that as well. And loving one another as Christ calls us to do. No, our lives will never fully measure up to the Gospels but neither did the lives of the characters in the Gospels. Judas betrayed. Peter denied. All of the disciples fled. And Thomas, he doubted. But if God used them for his purposes, how much more then will he use us? If Christ forgave them and still appeared to them, how much more then will he forgive us? and still be with us when we do not measure up. If God still loved them, how much more then will he love us in our doubt, in our fear, in our anxiety, in our uncertainty? It matters not where we fit in the gospel stories. It matters not what actions we would have taken. It matters not if we see our actions as a denying Peter or a doubting Thomas. For the ultimate action has been taken by God in Jesus Christ. The greatest story, the greatest story ever told, is that God loves us, died for us, and on the third day rose again. It's Eva, Davis, Dylan, and Isaac's story, as they are marked today as Christ's own forever in baptism. It's our story. And although I'll never measure up to it, I'm still going to stick to it. Amen. Amen.